0: Hello friends, this is J.B. Hickson with Not By Works Ministries. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. It is Wednesday, September the 7th. And uh, some of you may have noticed that uh, yesterday, of course, was Tuesday, and we had planned to relaunch our appearance on the Christian Underground News Network. Uh, As you know, for about a year and a half, we've had the privilege of working with that ministry every week in a weekly podcast. And Curtis Chamberlain, the director of that ministry, came down with COVID and got really, really sick. I mean, he was down for the count. And so uh, he's missed several weeks and then finally recovered, and on doctor's orders, he's cutting back on the number of interviews that he does, and so uh, we mentioned recently in a message that we are privileged to now be on Christian Underground News Network monthly, uh, normally the first Tuesday of every month. Well, that was yesterday, but... The Devil is Alive and Well, and right as we were beginning to record the interview, uh, we lost power here at the Not By Works offices, and so it kind of preempted the recording. And uh, so we're going to try again on Thursday of this week, so hopefully we can upload that interview early in the day on Thursday. Uh, But in the meantime, we are going to be replaying uh, today uh, on the podcast one of our archived radio shows, as we've done several times recently. I wanted to kind of give you a quick update about that. As you know, uh, for the months of September and October, we're not going to be doing our live stream from Plum Creek Chapel on Wednesday nights. I'm going to be taking a break for those two months from the midweek service to finish up volume two of uh, my book, Spirit of the Antichrist. And I'll have more to say about that in a moment. Uh, But so no live stream on Wednesday nights in September and October. Instead, we're going to be posting archived radio shows from our radio program that airs in the Midwest on broadcast radio. So you'll be able to tell right away these are Uh, typical radio shows with an intro and an outro, most of them about 25 minutes or so. And we've just gone into the archives and selected some uh, shows that I think have a a topic or a passage of Scripture that is particularly meaningful and relevant to folks today. And I hope our listeners uh, will appreciate that and find it edifying. And so in a moment, we're going to be uh, rebroadcasting a program called Don't Just Do Something, Stand There. Don't just do something. Stand there. But before we do that, I wanted to give one more quick update on the book. You know, we have uh, just been getting tons of emails. I'm really not exaggerating from folks wondering when Volume 2 is coming out. I tell you, I'm so grateful to the Lord and to all of you for helping spread the message of Spirit of the Antichrist Volume 1. It has been uh, the most remarkable reception of any of the books that we've ever uh, produced, any of the books I've ever written over the last uh, 30 years. And so uh, just amazing how the Lord has uh, uh, brought favor on that book. And it's it's critical because the message is so timely uh, for such a time as this. And so uh, it was designed all along to be a two-volume work and Volume 1, of course, came out back in March. If you've not yet purchased that or read that, uh, let me encourage you to go to spiritoftheantichrist.org. Spiritoftheantichrist.org. And you can order the book directly from there, but you can also read the preface to the book and see the entire table of contents and all the subsections of the book so you can kind of understand some of the subjects that we deal with in the book. Volume 2. Man, I'm so excited about it. I have been working almost day and night uh, putting the finishing touches on the book, and it's going to be a little bit longer. It's 15 chapters instead of 12 chapters, and we touch on a host of critical topics for our day, such as the Great Satanic Reset and Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. We have an entire chapter on transhumanism and artificial intelligence. We talk about the Luciferian Timetable and Agenda 2030, Uh, We have a whole chapter on secret societies and another one on the Council on Foreign Relations, Bilderberg Group, and Bohemian Grove. I actually have a chapter on fake elections, which I know is going to get a lot of attention, and I'll probably get a little bit of hate mail because of that chapter. Uh, But we talk about global surveillance, the police state. Uh, I think one of the most popular chapters that people will turn straight to is the one on UFOs, UAP, and the U.S. government. And uh, that is a very powerful chapter. A chapter, but volume of the volume two of Spirit of the Antichrist basically goes through six more uh, spirits that are manifest today that indicate the return of Christ is getting closer and closer. The whole premise of the two volume set is First John four three that tells us even though one antichrist is coming, many antichrists are already in the world. That's actually First John two, and then First John four three tells us the spirit of the antichrist uh, is already at work among us. And so, you know, it's. Uh, you know, as I look through Scripture and see some of the characteristics of the Antichrist, I'm able to see, indeed, that the spirit of the Antichrist is already on the rise. And so uh, we talk about perversion and the gender surrender movement. We talk about the coming one-world religion. We talk about other paranormal activity and phenomena. So uh, just can't wait to get that book out there. Uh, those of you that have been following our ministry for uh, a while now know that we've been talking about an, a release date of October-November. But I'm excited to announce uh, today that we can say with certainty that it will be out in October. Uh, so we're getting that close. It should be uh, in the hands of the printers by October 1st, which means it'll be available to hit the market by mid to late October. So uh, pray for us as we come down the home stretch and try to put the finishing touches on the book. Uh, it's going through some final editing now. And I, the problem is things are changing so fast. I keep wanting to add new information or update it with new news items and things. And at some point, I just have to say enough's enough and, and get the book out there, but it'll be a little bit longer than volume one, as I mentioned, 15 chapters instead of 12. And, uh, you know, We get emails almost every day, people wondering, when is Volume 2 coming out? Well, we're getting close. We are getting close. So pray for us. We will be able to give a more definitive actual release date as we get closer to the end of the month of September. But I can assure you it will be out sometime in mid to late October. So uh, really excited about that. So with that, uh, with those announcements, let me turn our attention now to today's podcast. Again, this is an archived radio show uh, from uh, previous years, but it's uh, entitled, Don't Just Do Something, Stand There. I hope it encourages you. And as always, if we can ever be of assistance, please feel free to reach out. Give us a call at 1-800-895-1851. Or the best way to reach us is just go to our website at notbyworks.org. Thanks and God bless.
1: You are listening to Not By Works with Dr. J.B. Hickson, advancing the message of God's amazing grace through the teaching of God's Word. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, He washed it white as snow. And now with today's message, here is Dr. Hickson.
0: I believe the Bible is the Word of God, and every word of God is flawless. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. When we study the Bible, it pierces our hearts and changes our lives. God's Word is the only standard upon which we base our beliefs and attitudes and practices. When God gave us the written Word of God, the Creator of the universe revealed to us everything we need for life and godliness. And it's in this book that we find these important words, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And that means that faith, for those who are lost and need to be saved from the penalty of sin, comes by hearing the Word of God, and specifically, hearing the gospel that the Word of God proclaims, the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead, and Faith, for those who are already saved, to grow spiritually mature day by day, also comes by hearing the Word of God. Hello again, everyone. My name is J.B. Hickson with Not By Works. Thank you so much for joining us for the program today. I invite you to turn with me to the book of First Kings, chapter 19, First Kings, chapter 19. As we look at a familiar Old Testament story, as a child, this was always one of my favorite Old Testament narratives. It's the story of Elijah it comes right on the heels of his encounter with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and it involves his fleeing from wicked queen Jezebel. I'm calling this message don't just do something, stand there. That's right. Don't just do something, stand there. A nature lover from the country was walking with his friend, a city boy through the busy, hustling, and bustling streets of New York City when he stopped suddenly and asked, Do you hear that? His friend said, What? He said, Do you hear that cricket? His friend laughed. What cricket? You could never hear a cricket with all this roar of traffic. The country boy persisted, but I hear a cricket. And, reaching down, he turned over a stone near a small batch of grass at the base of a lamppost, and sure enough, there he uncovered the cricket. His friend asked in astonishment, did you really hear the cricket chirping above the noise of the street? Certainly, he said, I spend my time listening to nature, whether I'm in the forest, the field, or on my front porch, and everyone hears what he listens for. Then, to illustrate the point, he took a coin from his pocket and dropped it on the pavement. (laughs) Some half a dozen passers-by instantly turned their heads and stopped and looked, and they instinctively put their hands in their pockets to see if they had dropped some money. They were listening for coins, the clanging, ringing symbol of commerce and livelihood. You know, what a great lesson. If we're listening for the truth, for that which is stimulating, elevating, inspiring, we'll hear it. Even above the noise and bustle of this busy world, above the din of lies, misinformation, and disinformation. But if our ears are attuned only to ourselves, our own needs, our own interests, and selfish desires, we will hear that, regardless of how loudly truth may be proclaimed in our direction. You know, quite often, as our years increase, our hearing becomes somewhat dull. It becomes more and more difficult to hear. It's a natural part of aging. Unfortunately, The same thing is often true spiritually. Even if you've known the Lord for 5 years or 10 years or 20 years or even 50 years, it can be difficult to hear the voice of the Lord. Sometimes our spiritual sense of hearing becomes dull. It reminds me of the words of Christ to the first century Jewish leaders in Matthew chapter 13. He said, And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But it's not just the Israelites who are susceptible to poor spiritual hearing. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul to the early church. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. By the way, I know our astute listeners will recognize that I said the words of the Apostle Paul. I've always understood that Paul wrote Hebrews. And in fact, in the earliest uh, copies of the manuscripts found in the early 2nd, 3rd, 4th centuries, there was a codex, a, a bundle, a, a book, what we would call a book bound together, that contained 14 New Testament books, and they were the 13 Epistles of Paul and Hebrews, just one of many uh, external indications that Paul may have written Hebrews. But uh, we don't know for sure, Hebrews is anonymous, but what we do know is the writer of Hebrews was talking about a people in the mid-60s uh, A.D. in the church age who... We're dull of hearing. How's your hearing? Maybe you've been a Christian so long you've allowed the traditions and status quo to dull your sense of hearing. When the Lord speaks to your heart, you can't hear Him because you're out of practice. Maybe you've been serving the Lord so long you no longer need His input and advice, or maybe you've only been a Christian for a short while, yet you're so busy doing things for the Lord that you fail to hear His voice speaking to you over the loud clamoring of your acts of Christian service. And as a result, You find yourself missing the presence of the Lord in your life when He gently speaks to your heart. Whatever the reason may be, I'm afraid it's quite easy for us to miss the presence of the Lord in our lives because we can't hear the Holy Spirit speaking to our heart. Let me ask you, when's the last time you distinctly remember sensing the clear direction of the Holy Spirit in your life? How long has it been since you came under the conviction of the Lord as He led you to take certain action in your Christian life? See, before the Lord can use you to make a difference in the world around you, you've got to be able to hear His voice. How does the Lord communicate with us today? Well, we say it at the beginning of each of our radio programs, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10:17. The Word of God is key, but we also need to hear the gentle, still, small voice of the Holy Spirit as He Uh, illumines the Word of God and helps us apply and embrace and welcome the teachings of God's Word. 1 Kings 19, verses 9 to 18, records an amazing encounter between Elijah, the prophet, and God. I mean, here is one of the most famous prophets of God who had just finished witnessing and orchestrating arguably one of the most incredible displays of God's power ever seen on the face of the earth. And yet, nevertheless, he finds himself running scared from a wicked lady Named Jezebel, you know this is really an amazing uh, story. You remember the context in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah has that incredible victory over Mount uh, Carmel, and then uh, the the drought ends, and then Ahab finds that Jezebel is after him. So it says in the beginning of chapter 19, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. So then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And what does Elijah do? Does he stand tall and trust the Lord and, and, and stand up and, and with great amazing courage, uh, just as he had done uh, when he saw God rain down fire out of heaven? Nope. He runs for his life. And by the way, that phrase, run for your life, is actually a biblical phrase. It comes from this very passage in the Hebrew text in 1 Kings 19, verse 3. It says, and when he saw that, that's Elijah, he arose and ran for his life. And um, he, he prayed later that he might die. He said, it is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father. So here he goes from being at the height of victory to the depths of despair. The Lord provides for him. And then eventually we get to verse 9, and it says, There he went into a cave, and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, listen to Elijah's response. I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Poor me is what Elijah is essentially uh, saying and then uh, uh, he said this is the Lord responding go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord but the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake a fire but the Lord was not in the fire and after the fire a still small voice so it was, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? It's interesting, the Lord asked him the same question twice. Um, and he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return. On your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu the son of Nimshi as king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel Meheloah you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. What a great, great story. And, and there's so many things we can uh, take away in terms of just general life lessons that we see illustrated in this story. Remember, Old Testament narratives don't give us doctrine directly. They illustrate principles that are taught explicitly uh, elsewhere in Scripture, and we see a lot of them here And uh, what I'd like to point out is just four keys to recognizing the presence of the Lord in your life, because if none other than the great prophet Elijah can, in a short period of time, go from being on top of the world, so to speak, really in a great place with the Lord, uh, communing with the Lord, being used of the Lord, recognizing the Lord's hand of blessing and power in his life, to subsequently... uh, Doubting the Lord's presence, wanting to die, feeling alone, feeling like God is not doing anything, then certainly we can fall prey to the same types of feelings. And we need to recognize the presence of the Lord in our life and we need to learn from Elijah's mistakes. And I think the first principle is this. Don't just do something, stand there. That's, that's the title of the message, and I think it's the first key to recognizing the Lord's presence in our life. Don't just do something, stand there. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain. In other words, don't confront Ahab. Don't prophesy drought. Don't raise the widow's son from the dead. Don't challenge Ahab to a duel. Don't judge the wicked prophets of Baal. Don't prophesy rain. Just stop for a minute and stand there. I'm about to pass by. See, the problem with Elijah was God was on the move and he was about to miss it. Elijah was so busy doing that he was in danger of overlooking the presence of the Lord as he passed by. And sometimes we need to slow down. When's the last time the Lord passed you by? Is he on the move in your life? Better yet, would you would you would you know it if he was? The fact is the Lord is on the move. As long as he's alive, he's moving and he's Alive all the time because he's eternal and he's moving all across the land. You know, we live in a pretty frightening time. There are so many paradigm shifts going on, so much geopolitical turmoil and economic turmoil and threats and dangers and and the drumbeats of war sounding. But God is still very much alive and he is still very much on the move. There are pockets of revival all across this country. There are men and women standing up with great power and courage in the face of incredible persecution and martyrdom and death. And even in our own country, there are places where the Spirit of God is moving like never before. It's unbelievable, and you don't want to miss it. Uh, Psalm 46.10, David said, Be still and know that I am God. By the way, that passage in its original context in the Hebrew is not just talking about sort of sitting still and listening. It's, it's, It's literally a better Hebrew translation would be cease fighting. Cease the war. Let the Lord fight for you. Stop striving. And indeed, that's what we need to do. Stop striving so hard for the Lord, or in some cases even for our own good, because we've not learned to trust the Lord like we should, and listen for Him. Don't just do something, stand there. It reminds me of the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. You remember this story? It's a great illustration about true service. In verse 38, it says, Now it happened as they went that, He entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Sounds a little bit like Elijah, doesn't it? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, listen to his response, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. You know, sometimes the good can be the enemy of the best, and we need to learn to redeem the time, like it talks about in Colossians 4. So don't just do something, stand there. Then don't just stand there, look for the Lord. I believe in verses 11 and 12 back in 1 Kings 19, that's the reason the Lord passed by in so many different manifestations. The Lord's power uh, is on display, uh, but the Lord trying to get Elijah's attention, wanted to show him and illustrate to him that he wasn't in any of these directly this time. You know, Elijah perhaps, uh, and we're just speculating, but perhaps he had become so accustomed to seeing the Lord move in unbelievably powerful ways that he was not able to hear that still, small voice, that comfort, that encouragement, even the gentle rebukes. And um, so we need to recognize that, uh, that it's important to, to look for the Lord. You know, ask yourself each day, what, what, where is the Lord in all of this? What, where, what could the Lord be doing that reminds me that he's here? So don't just stand there, do something. I'm sorry, don't just do something, stand there is, is my turn on that phrase. Then don't just stand there, look for the Lord. And then look at verses 12 and 13 of our text. Don't just look for the Lord, listen for him. Evidently, Elijah had retreated into a cave to hide from the wind and earthquake and fire. You know, it's interesting, the Lord asks him twice the same question. I think the first time, the emphasis is on, what are you doing here, Elijah? Because Elijah had fled. Many Remember, he ran for his life, and he was not where God wanted him. But the next time, he was right where God wanted him, because, you know, the Lord had called him out. And this time, I think the emphasis is on, what are you doing What are you doing, Elijah? You know, you ever say that to your kids when they're doing something crazy or caught with their hand in the cookie jar? What are you doing? You know, that's kind of the idea here that the Lord was talking to Elijah. And so he says, don't just look for the Lord, listen for him. The Lord's direction is readily available. That voice meant that God's direction was there. Never mind his power. What Elijah longed for right now had appeared, and that was the instruction of the Lord. True to his promise, the Lord was passing by Elijah. Elijah recognized the voice of the Lord, and he acted upon it at once. He covered his face so as not to be blinded by God's glory, and he went out to meet the Lord. Are you listening for the Lord? Have you heard him lately? Sometimes we'll just stop and stand still for a moment, then look for the Lord and listen for him. We're sure to hear that still, small voice speaking to our hearts, but not in a mystical way. How do we listen for the Lord? You know, back in Elijah's day, when a special revelation was still being unveiled through a variety of unique means, uh, they would listen for him in, in, in the handwriting on the wall or a donkey speaking or, in these cases, through the wind and fire. How does the Lord speak to us today? Through the Word of God. Remember, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God's Word tells us everything we need. If you haven't heard the still, small voice of the Lord in a while, ask yourself, how often are you in the Word of God? Maybe it's been a while. Maybe you need to dust off that um, Bible and 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 spend some time in the Word of God and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what it is that God wants to encourage you in your heart. You know, we all like to retreat into caves. I think it's sometimes our cave of comfort, our cave of tradition. Maybe it's a cave of fear. What are you afraid of? Or a cave of doubt? Maybe you've you've allowed bad teaching to cripple you into thinking that maybe you're not saved and you spend every waking moment. Doubting whether or not you're going to go to heaven. Well, listen to the word of the Lord who said, I give you eternal life and you'll never perish and rest in that. So don't just do something, stand there. Don't just stand there, look for the Lord. Don't just look for the Lord, but listen for him. And then don't just listen for him, but answer him. Answer him. There's one final thing Elijah had to do. It wasn't enough just to stand there and look and listen. He had to answer. The Lord said, what are you doing here? And Elijah responds, you know. Why do you think God asked Elijah that question? I think he was asking Elijah to take a moment to reevaluate and and to, to check his heart and to check his life and ministry and sort of look around him and say, how did I get to this point? What have I done right? What have I done wrong? And certainly, in just a short time, Elijah had gone from being an incredible example of faithfulness and steadfastness in great adversity to being weak and and not exercising faith. And so he, he, he asks him, you know, what are you doing there? And Elijah repeats the same question, but this time he was ready to hear his own answer and ready to hear the Lord's gentle rebuke in response. You know, the, the Lord used Elijah next. He, he allowed him to anoint the new kings of the north and the south and to put the mantle on Elisha. And uh, God was not through with Elijah just yet, but he had to get his attention first. Well, what about you? Has your spiritual life hit a stalemate? Maybe it's because you haven't heard the voice of the Lord lately. Have you heard the Lord recently? Or has your spiritual sense of hearing gone dull with time and busyness so that all you can hear is the, uh, the r- hustle and bustle and the normal din of everyday life. But let me ask you, better yet, let's ask ourselves, what are you doing here? It's time to come out of our caves and stand before the Lord and answer Him. These are critical times. It's time for us to to be put on the spot and say, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to reignite the fire. I'm ready to do a new work. I'm ready to go where you want me to go and be who you want me to be. So slow down. Be alert. Be alert. Get into the Word of God, and then take action. Remember, James said that it's not just the hearers of the Word, but the doers of the Word who are blessed in what they do. Well, you're listening to Not By Works, and my name is J.B. Hickson. Thank you so much for joining us for the program today. Before we leave, I want to mention the best news of all in God's Word, and that is the Gospel. Has there been a time in your life when you've trusted in Jesus Christ and Him alone as the only one who can save you? One reason, perhaps, that some people don't hear the Lord is because they don't have a relationship with Him to begin with. Everyone is born a sinner and needs a Savior, and the only Savior and the only hope for salvation is Jesus Christ, who died in substitutionary atonement for the sins of the world, and He's the only one who can forgive your sin and give you the gift of eternal life. Have you trusted him today? If not, we would love to hear from you and talk with you more about the gospel, or you can even, in simple faith, trust the Lord right now as you're listening to this program. Just say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself, and I'm trusting you and what you did for me on the cross as my only hope of salvation. Well, we invite you to join us again next time as we look to the Word of God to strengthen our faith and change our lives.
1: Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Not By Works Ministries is committed to promoting the clear gospel message that eternal life is a free gift, available only through faith in Jesus Christ alone, who died and rose again for our sins. We seek to advance this clear message of God's amazing grace through our daily radio program and through a nationwide conference-speaking ministry on a variety of biblical topics. We also have books, DVDs, CDs, and other biblical resources available through our online store at notbyworks.org. To learn more about our ministry or to schedule a Not By Works conference, please visit notbyworks.org. If you share our passion for the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel, we invite you to join us in this mission by financially supporting our ministry. For a gift of any amount, we would like to send you a copy of Dr. Hickson's book, The Gospel Unplugged, Good News Plain and Simple. You may donate online at notbyworks.org or by calling 1-800-895-1851. That's one 800 895 1851